Welcome to the Call to Farms podcast, a place where we explore the journey our food takes from farm to table. I'm your host, Tim, along with my wife, Sophie. Hi, everyone. And together, we hope to inspire you to connect with your food, embrace a more sustainable way of life, and rediscover the joy of nourishing your body and soul. In this week's episode, we interview our good friends and mentors, John and Maggie. John and Maggie have been practicing regenerative agriculture before it was even called regenerative agriculture. They knew intuitively and instinctually 30 years ago before the internet really existed to share any of the information that we have available today. We've been blessed to learn from them firsthand and to be mentored by them on a daily, if not weekly basis. They are the first people that we call that have come over to our farm within a matter of minutes to address any issues and concerns that we may have with any of our livestock. With their mentorship, we have gained the confidence to bring home our first dairy cow. In fact, we got hands-on training for six months from them before we, we brought home our first dairy cow. And now together, we co-own a micro-dairy and have three cows together. And not only that, besides building up our confidence and bringing home our first dairy cow, when we actually lost a dairy cow, they were the first ones to pick us right back up and get us right back on. Yes. And we talked about that in our previous episodes on finding and building community. It has been a true honor to work alongside them and grow and and help each other out. Unfortunately, Maggie has been dealing with some health concerns. She was diagnosed with cancer this time last year when we met them. And we actually set up a GoFundMe account. If you feel honored and led um, to donate to Maggie and her medical bills, um, we will have a link out to her Give, Send, Go account. And every little bit helps them. And so we just wanted to share a little bit about their knowledge and their story and hope to encourage you with their story as much as they have encouraged us. And now they are not on social media. And that's something that today in this day and age with modern technology, we have things like this podcast and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and and websites and things like that. But Maggie and John have been building silently and not without any effort just because they don't have a social media presence. But we wanted to be able to honor them and bring their story to light so that everybody else can learn from them. You know, not everybody who's homesteading has time to dedicate um, time on the farm while recording and and having this time, you know, Tim and I are on this podcast late night. It's it's midnight when we get on these podcasts and mm-hmm. and we get on the, the radio, you know, this podcast together. And so it takes a lot of effort to do that. And, um, you know, John and Maggie have been hands in dirt, have been doing this for the past 30 years. And so we want to be able to um, share them with you through the platform that we are building. Yeah, this is a truly a very special podcast to have the honor and ability to interview John and Maggie. They are truly some of the best people that we know, two of the most giving people that we know. They give more than they take. They have such huge, huge hearts. 
And we absolutely love spending time with them every week and going through the, her health concerns. And John has been a mentor of mine, a father figure of mine, teaching me as I'm going through homesteading and transitioning into homesteading. He's taught me where Maggie has spoken to Sophie through words. He has taught me through his actions as to how to have a positive outlook in life because let me tell you, homesteading is not all what it's made out to be on social media. There are many, many rough days. And John has been doing it for over 30 years. And he has such a good sense of humor, despite adversity and challenges that they face. And they are just some really, really good people. And it is truly an honor to be able to have them come on to our podcast. Now, they are not the big names that you see at these homesteading conferences, festivals, or workshops, but they truly know what it means to Mm -hmm. homestead. They, they, Mm -hmm. they have that expert knowledge. Yes. And we are, we are so excited to share this podcast with you. And this is a very special episode because John and Maggie are our official first guests on our podcast. I know in the previous episodes, we had our children and each other on this podcast as our first guests, (laughs) but this is such an honor and it's very symbolic because mm. we are very intentional with every move and um, every time that we spend. Yeah. Uh, and it, it is it is an honor to have them as our first guest on this podcast as we grow at our platform. We want to, just like we support local, this is truly, you know, Maggie is our Joel Salatin yeah. of East Tennessee. And so I'm excited for you to listen in on this episode. Uh, and we hope you enjoy this episode. We hope, we hope you enjoy this episode. All right. But we wanted to bring on John and Maggie for the show and be our first official guests because we have learned so much from you in the first year that we've been here. And we want to share your knowledge and we want to share that experience to any of our listeners out there. So we have a couple of questions that we'll get started with and then we can just... Just go on. Go on about it. All right. So what we wanted to know is, how did you get started in regenerative farming? And uh, what inspired you to pursue this path over 30 years ago, right? I don't know. How long have we been married? 30 years. I was doing it before that probably too. I mean, you know, because it's always been in me. I probably got a little of that from my mom, but I got a lot of that from God because who else can explain why I got a cow <laughs> to milk when you did? I didn't know anything about raw milk and I looked for the information and it wasn't out there, but I was getting a cow. <laughs> I shipped her in from Illinois. Wow, really? Yeah, a, a mid-sized miniature jersey, bred to okay. a miniature bull. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How much was it back then? 800? I believe that's what we paid, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's going for about 4,500 now for a miniature jersey. Well, that's jersey. for full miniature. miniature. Yeah. I couldn't afford yeah. They were... They were thirty five hundred for the At pure the time, for the yes. pure miniatures then, and this one was like, John, I found a cow. I'm ordering it. I'm <laughs> buying her. Yes, I told you as soon as we moved to this house that he built for me, my our log house. I said, I'm getting a cow. So, you know what? I already told you, and I'm getting it. So, <laughs> fine. And we'll listen back on this episode in like twenty, thirty yeah. years, and it'll be like ten thousand yeah. dollars for a cow. <laughs> but anyway, so I think it was just in me, and you know. Yeah. Partly from my mom, who loved put her hands in the ground. She was kind of a, she was kind of a hippie in a way, not like you think of a hippie. But her, 
her freedom loving her you know that kind of stuff that was her and so I think I picked a lot of that up from her but funny thing I'm one of eight and I'm the only one that does this so none of your family before did any farming Mm -mm. and John yours too no no mine we were suburbanites wow yeah Yeah. I did grow up on on the county line there one street over was county and I had friends that had a farm and I always enjoyed going and visiting them and I would help you know weed strawberry patches in the summer and and move cows around with them and I just kind of always enjoyed that part of it so maybe that's where my came from but after meeting her she brought it to my surface but it turns out john has a real natural ability with animals he i used to you know breed hunter ponies and uh he'd take the foals and he'd get them all halter broken wow he just had a natural way with them and really the cows he has a just you know he gets more milk out of them than we do (laughs) well he does he just has a way with animals so it was kind of a a fit you know yeah so and the funny thing is when i met john we just became best friends we weren't thinking even of being like you know no we're just hanging out we just hung mostly out working on love. working on yeah, on my farm. barn uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. really uh-huh. yeah okay yeah that was a date yeah I mean, was, we, we yeah. probably went on two dates before we got married <laughs> do you want to tell her her first our first date <laughs> our first real date oh it's to see uh, the war uh, of the roses, war of the roses. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and somehow we ended up married uh-huh. <laughs> and actually we were married like what six seven months after we got it, it? was less than a year yeah less than a year. <laughs> yeah. but you know you can see it, it you, you know yeah. you can tell we did yeah by the way he milks the cows yeah, and you know and well, break, well, that, break the pony. Break yeah. the, that was just horse time yeah that was yeah. horse time and right. then we were married that's when i got the cow and then we lived in a subdivision with seven acres with a cow well we were, we're allowed to have cows we we're allowed to have horses mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to have pigs and poultry but by golly we raised pigs and we raised chickens so you know yeah. They were pets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't a business. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so then did your parents, either of your parents, uh, were they in farming before? Did they have any agriculture background? My parents grew up working tobacco fields uh, during summers where they lived in New England. But other than that, that was... My mom liked planting flowers and landscaping. You know, she didn't have a style. Like, there wasn't rows of things. It was very wild, you know? Yeah. But that's what she loved. And... Hmm. um, I, I'm sure that, you know, a lot of that is what came through to me, but it amazes me that I have seven siblings that hmm. don't do this. Although my brother Dan did raise rabbits for a while, for a I, long time. Do you feel like it's a calling? Do you think absolutely, that? Absolutely, absolutely no doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about the three cows, and I was talking to my friend Margaret today, and I realized that the worse the economy gets, there's going to be people starving. And if families come and are looking for food, you know, not people coming to steal it, but people that need it, we might need that extra cow to take care of people. Yeah. Right? So that's a calling, I think. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way because out of all my, well, my, my sibling, but also my, all my cousins and friends and family, we're the only ones that are called to this. And there's no way that I would go back if we gave up a lot just to do mm-hmm. this. And it doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> people don't go back to California, okay? <laughs> you run as fast as you can. Don't look back and come to Tennessee, East Tennessee. What do you remember about your grandparents then? I'm trying to figure out the generations of how, how removed we have been from farming. I have no farming in my pedigree that I'm aware of. N- neither was my immediate grandparents, although I evidently had a great-grandfather that was a chicken farmer. Great grandfather. Yeah. Okay. But I, I did not know him. And yeah. I did not know of him until my adulthood. Yeah. My uh, maternal grandmother, well, I should say my maternal grandfather, was the first Studebaker dealer in the Midwest. 
So that's what he did. So, so really uh, nothing in uh-huh. farming. Nope. That's no, but my mom would eat this up. You know, she would have loved to have been here. Sure. Planted flowers with me. Drank the milk. She yeah. You know, she would have loved this. And my, I, I, my mom's always been in the gardens, but flower gardens and uh, everything neat in a row. Right, and that's the difference. And my mom, it wasn't neat, yeah. but it was, there was a yeah. beautiful wildness about it. Yep. And that's what that's where the hippie part is, I mean, about it. I mean, same thing with my mom. When I grew up with my, grand, with my grandfather, he taught me a little bit more about growing food. But with my mom, she was growing just flowers and maybe some mints here and there. And now that she's with us and we're growing, she said, I don't know why I never thought about growing actual food that uh-huh. we could eat. So next one. How did you know about the health benefits of raw milk? I didn't. That's what I'm telling you. It had to be a God thing because I went looking for the health benefits online. The internet was pretty new at that point. But, um, you know, there were plenty of places fine. But all the articles were about don't drink it. It'll kill you. You have to pasteurize it. Yeah. There was nothing about the health benefits. Because remember, when I started milking, or when I got my cow, there wasn't a Weston A. Price that I knew about. Right. I found that after I was already milking. A couple of months ago, I had some sort of wisdom downloaded, and I woke up in the morning, and I had to call you right away. And I said, Maggie, I just want to let you know that you are the most intelligent person oh. I know. <laughs> I said, I, I work with a lot of educated people who've gone to Harvard and MIT. Yeah, but that's their downfall. <laughs> and I have not met someone who knew all of this internally um, with that wisdom without having the, search it from the internet or having some influencers right. on Instagram. and since Instagram. it wasn't really internet when I started all that, we, you know, we've discussed this before. How do you, how'd you find this information? Right. But if you look in my living room here in my beautiful built-in bookshelf, you will see. Yeah. So how do you manage to balance between maintaining the farm and your personal life? Because, you know, we're talking about your barn here and the integration between home and 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 farm so well, how, how does that, that balance that look our, like our personal life yeah I mean, that's, we, we that's do pretty thir- much our life we do thoroughly enjoy doing what we do we always have our joy comes from 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 drinking milk from eating the food we it drink, does from, we from love having a steak he loves <laughs> to sit down eat a meal and say how much would this cost us in a restaurant and, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that's why we don't go out yeah yeah the yeah. tomahawk steaks those things are so expensive in the restaurant i think it's like 150 dollars couple of years ago wow. we have we don't go out anymore but i just remember looking at the oh, price and going, remember, what is we, that we raise miniature cows so we don't have tomahawks we have little hatchets <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> we also have lowercase t-bones <laughs> well i'm kind of curious to hear from you john because it sounds like maggie was the expert in more Absolutely. more or less she's the one who does all the research i watch what she does that way i don't have to read and um i just follow along in her footsteps and and kind of improve on it is not the right word but just no, do things maybe a little different it. yeah mm-hmm. yeah is a good word yeah yeah and I, he's a natural at this i mean really truly he just fit right into this like i said with the horses it was there, unbelievable there's that, a lot of time management involved and i've always been very good at that you know i got to put this in now because this has got to be done later and mm. and i have no time management skills oh same yeah and he balances me mm-hmm. you know yeah, and he slows that. me down sometimes like I would probably be in worse shape with animals here, except he says no. Mm-hmm. You know, so because, I need that. Because yeah. it takes a certain amount of time to, <laughs> to take care of them. Yes, so <laughs> I need that. Okay. So how do you integrate livestock and crops in your farm system? Fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good answer. Yeah. I we mean, do really, use... really, the only crop we raise is grass for, for the animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We um, do, like, we do the Joel Salatin method in our paddock in the winter and he just pulled all that stuff out oh, 
It is gorgeous compost now. So that will actually probably go back out on the fields, mm-hmm. probably not into the garden. Mm. Because really, we kind of need it for the fields more. Because really, right now, I'd say the livestock is more of a thing for us. Yeah. So, and yeah. I have friends that have said this year, don't worry about getting your garden and I'll grow yeah. extra food for yeah. you and that kind of stuff. So, okay, I'll grow meat for you. And, you know, here's I, cream. You can make some butter. I, I did buy cucumber plants today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll give those a shot. <laughs> yeah, we're growing, we're growing extra because we know we're going to sh- be sharing and we have some Asian veggies that we'd love Ooh, for you to try. Yes, I would love to try them. <laughs> See, we're going to be really blessed because you moved here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And try them without your mom cooking them for me. Oh, yeah. Because she does too much. Yeah. <laughs> but she loves it, doesn't she? She loves it. Yeah. That's how she shows her love. Yeah, I could tell well, that. And I yeah. appreciate it. And I show my love to her by eating it. Yeah. <laughs> how do you deal with pests and diseases on your farm? Not well. Um, <laughs> We don't have a lot of pests and diseases. What we have is well, we, we always have pests, pests in the garden. Right, we, I say we specific have pests too. Year. Like the, I did plant some broccoli that I actually managed to start, and it's been eaten because I didn't get my cloth over it. Mm. So I, it can come back because it's not dead. Yeah. So I need to get cloth put over top of it, and I might actually get a crop. But uh, that's the only way we can do it. We need to. I bought the. The hoops. hoops, yeah. I just didn't ever buy the cloth to go over it. And so I was going to put, you know, like six of my beds would have the hoops. And that's where the crops would be, the, the coal crops that, you know, the bugs really want to eat. Yeah. The cabbages, the broccoli, that kind of stuff. Um, tomatoes, we don't have any problem with bugs or... Tomatoes, yeah. No. yeah. But if you're talking about with animals, we've never had a disease uh-uh. issue. And we've never even really had a parasite issue. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And, no, and, we uh, use the basic H in the water. Basic H for and the natural wormer. and The minerals from New Country Organics mm-hmm. that have copper in it. Mm-hmm. And I feed it to my sheep. They have no problem with it. I've been feeding it to the sheep for, let's see, we've been here how many years? 18, 19, mm-hmm. 20. I have had sheep for 23 years. Mm-hmm. And I, they've been on it like that the whole time, along with all the animals so. now, now can sheep have the copper people think they can't but i've had sheep for since mm-hmm. well 20 before the year 2000 yep and um they've been on this this uh New supplement yeah. yeah and so i don't get parasites but then i mean i do use the basic h in the water every now and again when you grow organically you have that issue it's not like you can just go out there and spray and not worry about right. it like a lot of successful backyard farmers i know but then again, what are they eating in but, the end? Well, the other mm-hmm. thing is, a lot of people who are growing a garden, that's what they grow. So you can spend your time just on the garden. You can put your hoops out there. Mm-hmm. You can put your cloth. You can keep an eye on all that stuff. But that's not our main focus. Our main focus is the livestock. Yeah. doesn't really leave us time to get in there and really work the garden, you know. Exactly. So, I mean, I want to get back to that. But right now, that's not, you know, that's it's not the primary. Yeah. yeah. We got to get the, keep the livestock going. Yeah. So... You know, we got to keep track of breeding dates on these dairy cows and stuff, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I am an AI tech. <laughs> yes, let's talk about that because yeah. I'd love to get hands-on training yeah. from you. Yeah. She loves, you love to see me put my arm clear up a cow's <laughs> rear end, don't you? I want to try to do it myself. Good, I will get I you pictures. in there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to close my eyes and visualize it while you were telling me, and I'm like, yeah. I think I can do it. You can I've, do it. I think I've done enough yeah. animal surgeries. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can do it. Listen, I'm doing it. You can do it, okay? <laughs> I might need a, a few extra straws or something. <laughs> well, on your cow last year, I actually used two, cow, two straws right away because I said, uh-uh, I've got a good 
thing yeah. in here. We're, I'm going to leave my arm here. I'm going to put a new straw in there. I'm going to go in again. And we're getting this cow pregnant. And sure enough, it worked. It worked. First time. Yeah. Amazing. I describe it like my favorite movie in Star Wars, where you have to, where Luke has to fire that missile in and get it just right. <laughs> exactly. To, to blow up Death Star. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd waste too many straws. I definitely need I think training. You just named your calf Little Death Star. <laughs> yeah. Because he will be a beef cow. Yeah. yeah. I had a question actually for John because I think God placed you in my life to be that father figure and you I'm not have... that old, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. I'm sorry, honey. Well, you I'm... have children his age, okay? <laughs> okay. What I meant was that you're, you're, you've been such a great mentor for me in terms of having a positive outlook on things, especially when there are so many projects and never-ending chores. Mm -hmm. I get extremely frustrated. How... How do you maintain such a positive outlook? From the time you're born to you're lying in the hearse, there's nothing so bad that it could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love, I love what you said, though, because, you know, here we are, we're, we're helping each other with dairy cows. We're sharing them so they're not all encompassing on one of us, right? But we need to expand that out so that I actually come over a little more to your house and we can work in your garden, or you come over here more and move cows, you know? And, and that we should be doing, you know, more than just sharing milking the cows. Yeah. So I like what you said about that. Yeah. Now, John is very unique in, in his outlook on life. Yes, he is. Yes. God sent him to me, for sure. <laughs> I, I needed his well, personality. Know, what's the point of being pissed? Yeah. <laughs> and I do. I do get mad. I do get angry. And I just stop and take a minute and say, okay, what's the other direction? And, and I, I go out here and look at all the things I need to get done. And then I just look at what I've done. Mm. That's and, what I try and, to do, too. When I said, yeah, mm. look, we have so much to do here. Yeah. And people would stop and say, I can't believe how much you've done in a short period of time here. And I said, really? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So and then it, I changed it, my attitude. And instead, I'd walk out and say, you know what? This is really coming along. And we've only been here. You know, at that point, we'd been here, you know, less than a year. Yeah. So, and we had to build a house. And yeah. it's back to a time management thing. You can only get but so much done. And so you, I don't want to say I lower my expectations, but I just realize how much I'm able to get done because there's plenty that I want to do mm -hmm. still. But and it'll, it'll happen one day. I still have that hope. But if I don't, I still have all the other stuff that we've accomplished. Yeah. And I would encourage people, don't be afraid to, you know, go buy that piece of land. It doesn't have to be big. You know, Joel Salatin said, if you can't do it on an acre, you're not going to mm -hmm. do it on 100 acres. Do it in your own backyard. If you mm -hmm. can do that and then expand. We now move to 10 acres. Look what we're growing on 10 acres. Mm -hmm. This is fabulous. I can't even imagine if it's more. Right, we started with a quarter acre in yeah. the heart of Silicon Valley. We did. And that's how we started with the backyard garden. And then we bought six acres in the country of first time, just kind of going, all right, I guess we're doing livestock and we're, mm -hmm. we're farming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, with our busy lives with work and homeschooling and kids and homesteading, mm -hmm. I don't know if we want to handle more than five for just food production mm -hmm. i think obviously it would be great to have like a hundred but just in terms of like I'm, food and what we can manage yeah, on no. a day-to-day -day, i think five ten ten acres you, you is, perfect. is you really do a lot great. With that. so what would you say for giving advice for the next generation that's looking into homesteading what is the secret to be successful in homesteading well, we, we touched on this just a second ago, and, and there is the part where you just take on too much, mm -hmm. too quick. Too quick, yeah. Every, everybody that I meet that decides that they want to do chickens, in their heads, they go, oh, let's see, well, we're going to eat we'll, that. We'll get 100 chickens. Well, 50 seems to be the magic number, <laughs> oh. mm -hmm. and they usually get half of them done before they realize, oh, that's way too many. <laughs> so, and then they get burned out. 
Yeah. And another thing is, don't go buy a big, huge piece of land. You don't need it. I mean, unless you're going into a production farming, but that's not what homesteading is. So do it on a few acres. You know, I think we did that, too. I think we, we made that same mistake. We I did think that, you we did. We did that you with just, ducks because and you, with chickens. Mm-hmm. You were so <laughs> determined. But see, that's why you're successful now, because you actually right. have and that And it does add to that success. We, you, know, you learn from your failures, too. You got 50. It didn't work. So next year, we do 25. And, yeah. and 25 work great. And then, oh, we can we can do 50 next year, sell half of those, our 25 are free. And you just kind of build that way. Mm-hmm. It's it's all the implied tasks that you don't think about, or oh, well, yeah. we didn't think about going into it, like the enough cooler space mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. fridge space. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not just, and then the act of actually processing the birds is so... Forget refrigerated <laughs> space for birds. What right. about all this milk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Sorry, guys. Competing space in the yes. fridge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Competing space in the fridge. And mm-hmm. it's just so tiring, actually, after a while, unless you have enough... People helping you. Well, that is it. And that's why us kind of. And go and buy another freezer. But I think this is what's really great is because we're getting older. This young couple comes along who's hungry to learn this. And so you have a little more of the energy that we're, you know, we're losing. But we have some of the experience and knowledge to help you. So really, this is what I would recommend to young people. It does bring joy, too. If you can, find a mentor, somebody that would love your help. I love it when you guys come over and milk the cows. Right? Yeah. I mean, we've had the best conversations. From, right. From that. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I would recommend. So we're, we're growing crops, we're growing meat, and we're, we're growing friends. friends. We're, we're, yep. And we're growing community. We're community. Yes, and, and we're fellowship growing community. Too. Yeah. Yep. That's so. especially important. I know we touched on it earlier, but um, it, it's a lot to take on. You guys started 30 years ago or so. And when, when homesteading was not. Trendy. It wasn't. It wasn't right. a we thing. We didn't even call it homesteading. Right. We were almost just... pre Joel Salatin. Yeah. I just called it. I was. Ra- I was trying to be more self sufficient. Right. Exactly. That's what I called it. I'm being more self sufficient. I know what my animals are eating. And, so and we... what? So what was that? What What was the triggering moment that made you realize, hey, let's just try to be more self sufficient? Because I know for us it was it was 2020. But what was it? What 30, 40 Probably, years ago? Maybe the year 2000 had a big. Thing, but I, it, we certainly were working at it before that. There, there was just a lot of steps leading up to it, yeah. as far as what, uh, the economy goes and the way the government's going, and, and history repeats itself, and we're headed down the wrong path in this country once again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and 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 what if there is no food, and what if there is no food chain, and, and you know, I you know, in the 30, 40 years yeah. that you've been doing this, have you ever felt, you know, on those tough days when yeah. you know you're butchering, you know, chickens or meat, you ever think? Why don't we just go to the grocery store and buy a chicken? I don't think that ever, because that was the first argument I had with him about chicken. Yep. And, <laughs> I, and, then, and then, as it explained to me, and um, it's two different products. Yeah. He he said, we are not going to raise chickens it's and butcher them. It's 49 cents a pound. What are we going for all that trouble for? And I said, <laughs> apples to oranges, honey. And, you know, it doesn't take him long to figure out, oh, yeah, that's true. And so he, Ned, I found him going to other people explaining why they should be eating this mm-hmm. kind of chicken, you know. So he's, I mean, he picks this stuff up so fast. He's just a natural at it. That's so amazing that you had this sort of wisdom. That must have been from God because... It had to be from God. Or from the books that you mentioned earlier. Well, that helps. But what gave me the desire to buy all those books, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. But nowadays, who gave the authors the desire to, to yeah, write, to write yeah, the books exactly. about it? Yeah, yeah. So we're back yeah. at God. Well, nowadays there's so much information on the internet, so yeah. many workshops and homesteading conferences. We just want to caution those that are just getting into it. It's not just a trendy thing. It's yeah. it's a way of life. You have to roll up your sleeves 
and get it get right after it. Yeah, for us, it's a commitment. There is no other option. Mm-hmm. A lot also, of people say that, like, you know, I burn out at work sometimes working in tech. I'm working 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. and I can burn out. I mean, I, I guess there's a part of me that feels like I can burn out. I'll just go get another job, take some time off, right? Mm-hmm. But for something but like something this. But then something stops you, and you say, uh-uh, mm-hmm. you got it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For for this homesteading life, like, this is our yeah. life. Mm-hmm. There, We have to find a balance, and that's why it's great to mm-hmm. have you both in our lives to be our mentors. To say. And it's great for us because you're yep. the younger generation coming mm-hmm. up that will help us, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. as we age. So yeah. that's what I would recommend for people. Yeah. What, what do you see the future of regenerative farming, yeah. and what role do you think it will play in shaping the food system? Well, now it's more important than ever. That's the thing. Now they're talking about putting mRNA into the cows, the pigs, the chickens, which would end up in our food supply. So it's going to be more and more important that people do this on small farms. You know, if all you do is feed your own family and maybe one or two other families, you've made a big difference in this world. And this is what it's going to take for us to win this evil here is people have to take more, more responsibility for themselves. Well, how is that different than like corn and soy? Well, because we've learned from science that that's not a good way to eat a uh, ruminant. They're not designed to eat those things. They feed it to them because they used to be able to grow corn really cheap hmm. and, and soy. And they still are cheap because those are subsidized. I remember they, they did a really good job marketing that because my Absolutely. father told me, you want to get corn-fed beef because it's sweeter. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I grew up learning. Uh-huh. And, and so that's why all the marble in the yeah. right. Exactly. But now we know, you know, from science, people before us went out and they tested this stuff and found out. Mm-hmm. Guess what? If it's grass fed, it's really healthy for you. Mm-hmm. If it's not, yeah, you know, your your omega three to omega six levels all of a sudden change where they're not healthy. Whereas, you know, we talk about needing omega threes. Eat eat your eggs where the chickens are free ranging. You'll get plenty of omega three. Eat your beef and your lamb that are mm-hmm. eating grass and alfalfa. You'll that's get right. plenty of that. But when you throw that corn and soy in there, it flips it. And now you have higher omega-6 to higher to omega-3s. That's what's wrong with our diets. I want to also add that uh, there's this thing, even with uh, longtime farmers, there's a, I don't know, it's like a stigma or something like a, where they don't like grass-fed beef. They said, you know what? We want to do a grain finish. We mm-hmm. like the fat. It's the taste factor. But isn't it just like preparation? I don't have any issues yes. with eating Well, we finish. love it. I mean, you know, I have no issue with it There's at all. There's a little difference in how you cook a steak yes. that's grass-fed. It is slow and low for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess you, you want to feed your body or you want to feed just your taste buds. Right. Is what it comes down to. So, But you if know. you're stuck in your ways, you're not going to convince them. And I know personally for me that, that it was a health reason why I wanted to switch over to grass exactly. finish. And I actually did it by accident because um, I actually had a reaction where I would always scratch my body after eating USDA choice beef. Wow. I have a very good friend, yeah. uh, uh, CJ, who cannot eat beef. Mm. And he has an allergic reaction to it when he does. He can eat buffalo. Mm. See, so he doesn't even know. He, I'm sure and, he could and, eat grass-fed and, beef. And I've told and told oh, him yeah. he can eat grass-fed beef, but he's afraid to. It's like the milk. Yep, if exactly. If you're lactose intolerant, you can't drink store-bought milk. Mm-hmm. But you can drink raw milk uh-huh, because it right. has lactase. lactase. But, it has everything. Try, try and convince someone of that. It's raw really milk has tender. everything you need to digest it in it. It's an easily digestible food. It's full mm-hmm. of almost every nutrient we need unless you pasteurize it. Mm-hmm. And then worse, go and homogenize it. Now the fat molecules are so small, they're going to go in your body where they don't belong. I love this. <laughs> if 
By the way, you can milk sheep. You can milk goats. Raw milk is. Oh yeah, my my ice cream I ate today was was raw milk sheep milk ice Mm -hmm. cream. Yeah, delicious with a a nice a nice free range egg yolk in it. Beautiful. That kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. If you just have five acres, you don't necessarily have to have a dairy. That's right. There are dairy sheep. There are goats. I prefer the sheep. Their milk is much more delicious to me. But they only they'll milk, you know, up into the fall. They are seasonal. But really, you may only miss three or four months out of the whole year if you time your breeding right on a sheep. So Yeah, I actually had a question just today from one of my clients who was looking for land, and she was asking me, how much work is, you know, is involved having a cow or having sheep and goats? And my response, and I'd be interested in hearing from you, but my response was actually they're very low maintenance because they take care of themselves, uh-huh. they graze, they, as long as you have a water source, they're actually less maintenance than a dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The difference is, you know, I try to move the sheep mm-hmm. I mean, and cows on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. For me, I can't move. I can't move fence every day. You know, a lot of people just move their fence every day. Oh, I don't think so, Tim. But uh, <laughs> not you, Tim. No, I just Tim. put the fence up and made little paddocks and and lanes. Yeah. Right. So I have lanes. They can come back to their water. Right. But mm-hmm. all the other gates are closed, so they can only go into one paddock at we, a time. We, and that's how we were able to identify that yes. you were our people, because we saw those <laughs> lanes, and we said, we need to talk to whoever yeah. lives here. So <laughs> as long as those are maintained, you're right. I go, it's it's an orchestra. You know, I'm the conductor. Here. here's a, And the cows know. I mean, yes. they will wait for you to open that gate for them to go in that new field. And matter of fact, I used to have a cow. She's passed away now, but she would. I knew when it was time to move them. Mm-hmm. She let me know. I'm done here. I would like a new field. Fine, I'll be out there in a minute, Lily. You know. I really. So you're right. Yeah, I really like that example because you're still achieving the rotational grazing. You don't have to do it every single day, depending on how much acreage you have and how how much livestock you have. But you made it work, and so that yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I don't move them every day. I, that couldn't mm-hmm. happen I, on 10 acres or about 8 acres pasture. There's not enough. Of that. But I do try to only keep them on one spot for two to maybe three days because the idea is you don't want them to take a second bite of the grass. So you want them to, you know, eat the grass down to here and move them. Mm-hmm. If they keep going, they're going to eat the new grass coming up. Right. And they'll destroy that. Yeah. Cows don't like horses do, but, you know. Oh, that reminds me of what, John, would you say the, the worst animal to have on oh, when you're it's, it's a horse. race? Oh, it's, it, yeah. Why is that? A ho- well, because of just what she just said, they just go down to the shortest grass. <laughs> and when that shortest grass grows a little bit, that's where they're going back to. They're yes, not going to the taller Yes, but if you rotate the horse with the cows and the sheep, now you've got multi-species, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. They eat different things out of there. They yep. eat around each other's manure instead right. of their own. Yep. So they're not picking up their own parasites. Yep. And you just have to move the horse at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. So if you get lax on that, the horse is going to eat that down. Yeah. And it is yeah. nice that they have their different kinds of manures because always uh-huh. remember, multi-species means multi-feces. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I love your <laughs> love your rhyming your poems. Uh, but I also want to keep, I want to stick with that reasoning about a horse because my daughter keeps bugging me about having a horse, but I, I love that reasoning. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's she's not, getting, okay? okay. If, she, if you can rotate with your animals successfully, then you, you will be fine. Blessing. But again, yeah, again, it goes blessing. back, you know, say, say you don't add a horse. Say you added three more cows. You still have to do the same math. You, you know, how much acreage do I have? How many animals yeah, do I yes. have? How many different divides do I have? And you just kind of kind of watch it. You can't go out there with a calculator and go, oh, it's just something you got to watch. Yeah. So, you do have to develop an eye, and I wouldn't say I have a great eye for it, but I think both of us are developing. And, and with that, too, you need a hard paddock here and there. That yes, when yes. It's, when it's a sacrifice not a good field. grow season, yeah. that you can just throw them in and, and let yeah. the grass catch up yeah. and throw hay. Mm-hmm. I love this topic because what about – 
What do you do to supplement? So if there's not enough grass. Oh, it's hay. Ab- absolute hay, yeah. And we do feed the alfalfa pellets. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is What are some things that we should look into when we're thinking about and we don't use anything that's gmo by the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah go ahead yep yep exactly that Uh, like mm -hmm. what other things to be cautious of yes so we have to have our 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 alfalfa belts shipped in from virginia Mm. because you can't just go to the feed store and buy organic non-gmo alfalfa belts just out of curiosity i'm not sure if you um would know but what is that math for how many cows or how many sheep to increase? It, it's all different. You yeah. have to look at your land and what your land can hold. Mm-hmm. But the more you rotate, the better your grass is going to get. The, the more you don't graze it all the way down, mm-hmm. the thicker that stand will get. So you'll be able to put more animals on it in five years. The old school farmer said one cow, one acre. Okay. When, but it depends when, where you live. When they were free ranging yeah. everywhere, oh, not, not divided. So you, I, okay. you can add to that, especially. Right. So, you know rotational grazing and like I said again you have to just you just got to kind of watch it it's the height of the grass that you're watching you don't want it to like what more than eight inches when you put it on it because they're well, starting to get too and then you don't yeah. want to graze it down to like three i don't or four remember or what the like inches that. are but i try to get them on it before it actually goes to seed mm-hmm. you know because it's better grass before it starts putting out that seed head so if you put them on just before that, you know, give them a nice stand they yeah. can you know take that down to here and if you can only graze it down to like there Man, it won't take you long at all to see a difference in your fields. Right. And Joel calls that teenager grass versus nursing home grass. Yeah. <laughs> and he's definitely the guru on it. And that's yeah, what we is. learned about yes. it. So we've yeah. we learned a lot from him. I would say he was book. my mentor, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A question I've been asked, too, with, with this particular topic is, do you ever throw grass seeds out to, to replant the I grass? only did it when we first moved here mm-hmm. um, because I was missing things out in the fields. So there wasn't. There wasn't the variety of stuff because for years, a farmer just came and mowed it, uh, hayed it, mm-hmm. and took it off. So it was totally not fertile. You know, like it looked kind of good when we came, but once they started grazing, you realized, look at all the bare patches. You know, this mm-hmm. is not healthy ground. Mm-hmm. It's pretty healthy now, and it's got a great variety of different things. Like, I love plantain out there. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any plantain here when I moved here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I We have plantain growing in our garden now, uh-huh. and I'm just like, don't touch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have plantain last year. So really, in a year's time, we had a great deal of improvement on that yeah. pasture. Thanks. Not fertilizing, Not um, although we did put down liquid lime one time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was but it. That was it. That was it. Now it just has the compost and you yeah. spread. So we don't do any seed because we know there's so much it's, dormant seed right. in the ground that if we give it a good uh, environment, it's going to come up. Mm-hmm. You were talking about plantains. I want to talk a little bit about this uh, invasive species. So what are your thoughts of the weeds or any like... It depends on what considered? the cow needs. They're going to eat it. Mm-hmm. So things we call weeds might be a perfect food for them. I wish I had kudzu. I'll be honest with you. Kudzu's fantastic feed. And it yeah. won't overtake if you're putting it in your pastures. As a matter of fact, you've got to protect it because the animals will kill it. Hmm. That's why if you go drive down the road and you see this hillside and it's all covered with kudzu and there's a fence here and there's cows on the other side, it ends right there. There is no kudzu past that because those hmm. cows don't allow it. They love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know that. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could get it here. I really do. I wish I had it. Yeah, Man, we- that is tons of food and totally full of protein. Full of vitamins, minerals. It's one. It's got a huge root, so it's bringing up all those minerals. Yep, um, I've been looking into like invasive. I'm doing yeah. air quotes of invasive yes. species, like uh-huh. the garlic mustard, uh-huh. and how delicious that is. And they, they, you know, they actually have these events where you go in and you dig up the tap root and you get rid of it. But the garlic mustard is 
amazing to forage. It tastes great. And somebody pays, you have to pay them for you to go on their property. <laughs> right. That was what I was going to say. You know, there are a lot of workshops and things like that. But if you live near people that are doing this like we are, you know, we give tours all the time. We, we've never been paid for somebody to come because we want to encourage everybody to do this. We want everybody. You got two acres? You know what? You can have chickens. You can have a nice garden. You can have goats. Mm-hmm. You can have sheep. I'd rather have sheep personally, but yeah. uh, they're better grazers. Goats are not good grazers. Yeah. But if you have woods mm-hmm. or hillside that's all, get some goats. Yeah, we had a client that we took out this weekend, and they had two and a half acres that they were looking at in kind of a subdivision area. But I was like, this would be great for goats. You could bring some chickens, and that's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. She was thinking about bringing in a dairy cow, too. No. And it might be. Well, that's subdivision. They can, but they're going to feed hay all the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, you might be able to get, yeah, actually, if they if they could fence them into little, like, you know, fifth of an acre little yeah. fields and move them. A Dexter probably could. A, that's what I was mm-hmm. thinking, like a Dexter yeah. would work. Yeah, So how do you stay motivated and energized throughout the farming season? Because we we go from, there's perfect four seasons here, and all four seasons that we've been a part of so far, and it's our first year, like has been a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we like to eat and you see the job that needs to be done. That's what I say. I say the true foodies. I mean, we, we are self-proclaimed foodies. We, you know, we used to eat in Napa, San Francisco. But I'm like, no, 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 no. The true foodies are homesteaders. They're the ones that are growing their food, raising them, and kind of, you know, exactly. You know what else? Mm-hmm. I asked him. We, we, I hadn't started that ice cream mixture. And, you know, there's not a lot I can eat. So I said, would you just go to the store and buy me some Briar's vanilla? You know, I didn't like it. Because I've been eating real food. Not, mm-hmm. not that Briars is a bad food. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, just give me Briars natural vanilla. But I didn't really like it. And yeah. It was too sweet. And, yep, you know, I like what we have. And we've been, somebody took us several years ago to um, Outback Steakhouse. And we looked at each other and said, this is not better <laughs> no. than what no. we have. No. And all we need to do is put salt and pepper on our steak. And that garlic. tastes Gotta amazing. Have garlic. Oh, yeah, garlic. Yeah. Love my garlic. Yeah. <laughs> And every once in a while for a treat, some chopped rosemary. Yes, mm. yes, uh-huh. agreed. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Which we grow. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And everything just tastes better. I it mean, does. Even the herbs, the cilantro tastes better with our pho, the onions. I mean, it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to go out now. It is. It's, it's hard impossible. to go out and eat it's out impossible. there. It's impossible. Yeah. Okay, so what do you think are some of the biggest challenges facing regenerative farmers today? Getting land. For that, sure, that is having more, more money and more of an issue. See, and he, we're here trying to establish this. I'm not out earning an income. He has to go out and earn an income because we can't make it on this. Yes and no. You know, we, we make a limited income, but we haven't bought meat from a grocery store in 25 years. Yeah, yeah. We want everyone to just yes. grow their own garden. Yep. Ha- have some yes. sort of livestock. I, just I tell people all the time it works. If you do nothing else this year, put in a tomato plant. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah and start there, where you there's are. There's no exactly. reason you shouldn't have chickens. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I've always said everybody should have chickens. But you know, chickens are the gateway animal. They are. Uh-huh. They are. <laughs> That's right. I like that. Uh huh. But I mean, it's true. Think about it. If you have a good flock of chickens, now you can grow their food, and those eggs are so valuable. So. And if you had, a, you know, a dairy animal to go with the chickens, you're not going to starve. You're going to be fed really, really well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, John and Maggie, mm-hmm. for just speaking with us today and just giving our listeners hope that no matter where they're at in their homesteading journey, whether they have a very small backyard. They have a balcony. Yeah. They have yeah. a balcony. You can put yeah. in a tomato plant. That they have hope that they can put in a tomato plant mm-hmm. and then work from there. You know what? You live in an apartment. You can raise... A little batch of rabbits. 
They can live out on your patio easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can breed them, and you know, and every however many weeks you have a little litter of babies. You grow them up for eight weeks. You got protein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rabbits are a great homestead animal. Rabbits and chickens are the best homestead animals, in my opinion, because you can do it on no land. Mm-hmm. And quail too. Quail actually. They actually don't make any noise at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some great ideas. Yeah. On how to get started, definitely. Uh-huh. Well, thanks for being an encouragement for us and for everyone out there who's just getting started. Um, and providing your knowledge and, and opening up your farm. Thank you for moving here and finding us. And, huh? Actually, you found me before you moved here. Because remember, <laughs> I was doing my uh, speed dating for the community and yeah. interviewing everybody who was uh, more of a rogue. Well, <laughs> I'm a rogue and, one, and that's for sure. I should tell you that there is hope because there is a lot of people like us and like yourselves that are, that are look, seeing the issues coming up. And, yeah. and seeing and wanting to change and and this community especially in this part where we are yeah there's there's that's quite why a bit. people are moving yeah. here